2,500 years ago, the nation of Judah was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. Babylon was the world's dominant empire and system. God's people spent 70 long years far from home in Babylonian captivity. Just as the nation of Judah was taken into captivity 2,500 years ago, we, as God's people today, can find our hearts being taken captive by today's world system. But soon, this Babylon we are in will be gone, just like the one from 2,500 years ago. And if this is where our hearts are, if this is where all our hopes, dreams, plans, identity, and worth is found, then we have a problem. To give your life to the way of the Babylonians will be a catastrophic waste of your life. Our bodies might be in Babylon, but our hearts can be at home. Where is home, you ask? Our true home is not a place, it's a person. We were created to live with God. Even better, to live in God. Abide in me, dwell in me, live in me. That's what Jesus tells us to do. That was God's plan and purpose all along in creating mankind. For us to dwell with him in a personal, real, living and breathing relationship. And when God is our home and we dwell with him, dwell in him, then and only then will our souls truly find the rest we long for. There really is no place like home. There really is no person like Jesus. But we need to walk in wisdom because with every breath we take, the powers of modern day Babylon are seeking to lure us into captivity. We're identifying a number of captors in, the, in this world, in our own sinful flesh, and that the devil himself employs to try to take our hearts into captivity. And the captor that we want to focus in on today is what we're going to call busyness. Now, for some people in the room, like teachers and healthcare workers, uh, this COVID season over the last 12 months has made your life even busier. And then for other people, uh, everything over the last year may have made your life a little less busy. It might have slowed your life down a little bit. In fact, you might have been forced to slow down. Hello, quarantine. Now, listen, whichever way it might have affected you, sped your life up, or slowed your life down, we need to start now, if we haven't already, thinking about how we're going to re-enter life when it's normal again. And I do think it'll be normal again at some point. I don't know exactly what that will be or when exactly that will be. But listen, if you've been super busy, like some of you have been in this season, then you are at great risk for having formed some bad habits in your life. That if you're not careful, you're going to transfer those bad habits into the next season of your life, and you could be setting yourself up and your heart up to be living in an unhealthy pace in life. But for most people, though, I think most people would say, you know, the season that we've been in has sort of slowed life down for us. Ball seasons got canceled. There were less social engagements to go to. There was less running the roads and go into places where we could find entertainment. We've been home more. We've eaten more meals together as a family. Those are some of the blessings that have happened in a lot of people's lives over the last year or so. So for those of you that have been slowed down a little bit, 
as you begin to re-enter the next season of life, you may be tempted to feel like you got to make up for lost time. You may be tempted to feel like we got to sign up for everything. We got to do everything. We're going to say yes to everything. And Junior's got to make up for lost time athletically and socially. And so we're all in with everything that's laid out there before us. And the problem with a lot of us is we have kind of grown up believing, sort of, that busyness equals godliness. That the busier I am, the better a person I am. The more responsible, the more acceptable I am. And, and we kind of wear our busyness, don't we? Sort of like a badge of honor. We, we, we meet somebody and say, hey man, how you been doing? Man, I've been busy. Busy, I mean, I don't think I've ever been busier, right? And we kind of puff our chest out like we're really proud of ourselves for having been busy. Like it's a contest, right? To decide who's been the busiest. Because we think if you're the busiest you're the best. And when you think about now today, the, like last week we talked about technology, think about this. Today, you realize that our busyness and our ceaseless access to technology, and you couple those things together, we're never really not busy anymore. We're never really truly off. People used to could stay home, take an off day, right? and be off, and they were off, or they could go on a vacation and be off, and they were off. But now, because of our attention to busyness and our attention to technology, there is no more off switch in our lives, even on an off day, even on a vacation. Now, instead of an off switch, we just have sort of a dimmer switch. And the result is we're stretched out and suffering, oftentimes mentally and emotionally, Physically, it's going to take a toll, and relationally. And I think the most concerning of all is this. Busyness is one of the most subtle captors that you and I are dealing with in our life today. Because we have bought into it. It is a badge of honor, but it's that way of thinking that oftentimes sets us up to have our hearts and our minds lured into captivity rather than dwelling in and abiding in Christ himself. So I heard somebody say this once, and I encourage you to write this down. This is worth writing and taking a picture of on your phone or something or putting it on your social media that you're addicted to. <laughs> How many of you changed some habits last week, by the way, technology-wise? Anybody? I, I talked to a few people. I talked to one of our students, and she said, I deleted all my social media. That's big for a 17-year-old to do that. I didn't ask her to do that. If, if the Holy Spirit asks her to do that, then, then praise the Lord. That's great. Write this down. To a Christian, busyness is more dangerous than bullets. Except for some people in the room, maybe. But for most of us, busyness is more dangerous than bullets. It is very unlikely next week that a bullet is going to have an effect on my life. But busyness probably will. Busyness next week is probably going to have, if I let it, a detrimental impact on my walk with Jesus and on my relationship with Jesus. Now, we come today to Luke chapter 10. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there. Luke chapter 10, Jesus is in the presence of some people that he loves. And one of those people that he loves is sort of living her life in captivity to busyness. 
She's in this moment with Jesus being drawn into captivity rather than being with Jesus. But in the text today, Jesus comes to her rescue and he does three things. And I'll tell you these three, three things in a minute, but first I want us just to read the text here. Verse 38 of Luke chapter 10. I can tell more of you brought your Bible today than using your phone. That's cool. I hear the pages rustling. If you're here, I missed last, if you missed last week, the, I don't hate technology. I talked about its good sides. I talked about its downsides last week. But I, I love to hear those pages. Let's look at it. Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. So here we have the story of two people that love Jesus. They both do. Two sisters, Mary and Martha. Two different personalities. You can see that pretty clearly, right? Mary is a people-oriented person. She has the spiritual gift of hanging out. That's her, that's her job. That's her gift. That's her role. She loves to be with people. She's a people-oriented person. She just wants to sit there at the feet of Jesus and hear him talk and talk to him. And then there's Martha. She's a task-oriented person. She's a go-getter. She's a doer. Martha's the kind of person that cannot sit still. Martha is always on the move. When Jesus is making his way to their home, when Lazarus, his friend, had died, it's Martha who runs out to greet Jesus. She can't stay still. She's always on the move. Does that sound familiar? Always on the move? Does that sound like you? Does that sound like your family? Does that sound like your life? Always on the move. Now, I'm just curious. Didn't plan to do this, but people-oriented task or How many people-oriented people in the room today? A few. A few. How many task-oriented people here today? Congratulations, task-oriented people, for coming to church and sitting down. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Let me ask this question. Which personality does Jesus prefer? He does not have a preference. The task-oriented people just went, thank God. Because I thought you were about to say the Mary's in the room. And I'm not a Mary. I'm a Martha. And it's killing me just to sit here because i got a billion things I need to be doing. No, no, no. There's not a personality type that he prefers he made both personality types both personality types are needed in this world both per both personality types are needed in the kingdom of God he has a purpose for both and what Jesus is not saying here in this story is everybody should be like Mary 
all day, every day, you should just read your Bible and pray and to heck with the dishes and the laundry and just clock in at work tomorrow whenever you feel like it. If your quiet time with Jesus just runs three hours over, then so be it. No, no, no. That is not what Jesus is saying. In fact, I believe he, he just as easily could have called Mary out as he did Martha. I believe he just as easily could have said, Martha, you're right. Mary, thanks for hanging out, but help your sister. You may not, Mary, have the gift of helps, but let's pretend that you do, right? I think Jesus could have done that, and there wouldn't have been anything wrong with that. But why does he call Martha out? Well, she's got a point, right? She is busting her backside. She is hustling while Mary's just sitting there hanging out with Jesus. So why does he pick on Martha? I think I can answer that, and you guys just demonstrated it for me in the little survey that we just did. Probably two to one, there's Martha's to Mary in this room today. More people in this room, like myself, can relate to Martha than we can Mary. More of us can understand where she's coming from. We're partial to Martha. We respect the hustle, do we not, in Martha? We love the strong sense of responsibility that she has in her life. We value people like that, don't we? I mean, let's be honest. If you're looking to hire, and there's Mary, and there's Martha, you're going Martha all day long, right? Now, you might go to dinner with Mary, but when it comes to the 9 to 5, you want Martha on your team. We respect that. We value that. She's not afraid to jump in. She takes responsibility, and we appreciate, we value, we esteem highly people like that. And the fact is, the Marthas, they also place a lot of value on themselves. There's some Marthas in the room here today. You're pretty high on yourself. You're pretty convinced if it's going to be, it's up to me. I got to do it. Nobody can do it like I do it. Martha kind of people consider themselves the kind of person that everybody should be more like. Right? Hello, Marthas. Amen? I know you. The Marthas are the kind of people that when they get around to Mary, it just kind of drives them bananas a little bit. Right? The, the Marys are just too chill. And you're getting under my skin a little bit. They're so responsibility driven. And what Jesus is doing here is he's helping the majority of us see that busyness can be a captor that lures our hearts away into captivity. This dangerous temptation is lurking that competent and responsible people will fall for. The temptation of thinking, if it's going to be, it's up to me. i got to step in and handle it. It's that kind of thinking that causes you to say yes to more things than you should say yes to. It's that kind of thinking that leaves your schedule stretched thin. It's that kind of person that insists that they have to be the one doing the work at the house. They have to be the one doing the work at work. They have to be the one doing the work at church. They carry that heavy responsibility constantly on their shoulders. And eventually, and some of you Marthas know this, eventually it can lead to burnout. Eventually it can lead you to a place where you feel all alone. 
because you've buried yourself so deep in busyness that you've not built in margins in your life to build meaningful relationships with other people. And so you, you, at the end of the day, get all the boxes checked, but you realize you've done it all by yourself, and at the end of it, you're all by yourself, and that's frustrating because you've been doing all this stuff for the good of everybody else. And worst of all, the temptation to be the hero, buying into the idea that busyness makes you more acceptable to God, makes you more pleasing to God is all just setting your heart up all the more to be taken into captivity. So for the high octane, always hustling, responsibility grabbing, often overscheduled, overachievers that are doing their best to sit still and listen in today, let's take a close look at three things that Jesus wants to do in your life today. Now listen, if you're lazy and irresponsible, you just go ahead and take a nap because this sermon's not for you, all right? In fact, you're probably already sleeping and didn't hear that last line, so you just do you. But for those who are susceptible to being sucked in to this kind of perpetual busyness about your life, let's look at this. Jesus wants to do at least three things in your life today as it relates to busyness. Number one is this. He wants to bust a myth. He wants to bust a myth. Here's the myth that Jesus wants to bust in your life. That busyness equals godliness. We tend to think that, don't we? The busier we are, the better we are. The busier I am, the more God is honored with me. The more accepted I am by God, the more pleased He is with me. A lot of us like to stay busy because we like that validation of always feeling like we're needed. That we're always the rescuer in the story. It's hard to believe, but it's been seven years now since I took my first sabbatical as your pastor. I just celebrated 10 years as your pastor, and y'all graciously gave me and my family about five or six weeks to step out and just decompress and breathe and rest a little while, and I wasn't real good at resting in those days. And I, st- I, took, a, I took a box of work to do in a season of rest, no joke. I had my books. I had everything with me. I was ready to go. And the first week, it was almost like God just slapped me across the face. He shut me down. I was sick physically sick the first week of sabbatical. And in that sickness, I just sensed God was telling me, that is not why I've provided this time in your life. you got to learn to rest. And, and, and so I did. I learned a lot about rest. In fact, I came back so convinced that what I was learning was so important, every pastor ought to have a chance to have a sabbatical after seven years of serving here. And now they have, and, uh, and now I'm up again this year. And so somewhere in here, I'm going to through some type of sabbatical. I don't know exactly what, but I know this is oddly a year I don't really want to take a sabbatical. I'm ready to hit the new house over there at Shadow Lake and just keep rolling, but we'll see what the Lord says. But one of the most important things I learned in that season in my life is this. I'm really not that important. I mean, I got really kind of convinced myself that, man, grace life is on my shoulders. And you know what? I came back from that break and I realized That is not true. Grace life didn't need me. In fact, I came back and I realized there were a lot of things that went better because I was gone. (laughs) Now, that'll kind of hurt your ego a little bit, right, when you come back and you realize that. But I'll also tell you this. When you get over pouting about how unimportant you realize you are, you'll find out that you're incredibly liberated and very free. 
And a lot of that pressure is now off of you. Hey, I've got a role to play. I know that. I, I have a, a call from God on my life. I know that. I have a job to do. I have a schedule to keep. I have responsibilities. And look, I want to do all that with excellence. God's worthy of that. And I want to honor Him with my effort. But I also came to realize that working all the time and not paying attention to my sleep or not paying attention to my diet, that didn't make me more godly. You know, telling church members, man, I've been so busy, y'all. I probably worked 95 hours this week, 18 hospital visits, 22 funerals in one week, three weddings I did. No, no, no. That doesn't. All that wasn't making me more godly. Burning the candle at both ends. Not taking care of the temple of God. Not worried about, am I resting? Am I sleeping? Am I making sure that I'm getting the nutrition? That No, instead of that making me more godly, you know what that was doing? That was taking me further and further and deeper and deeper into captivity. That was leading my heart not closer to Jesus, but further away from Jesus. Look, you know this, when you're tired and you're worn out from being overscheduled, stretched thin, trying to be everybody's hero, it is impossible then to live in and abide in Christ. You can't do it. You won't do it. It's kind of like that old illustration I used to tell students a long time ago, back in the old days, that you, there used to be some service stations where you pulled up to get gas and a guy came running out to pump your gas. you got to be like 45 and up to even have a clue what I'm talking about. Right, But they'd come running out, and just imagine that your car's on empty, and the guy comes out, and he turns the pump on, he's about to put the nozzle in your car, and then you just keep going around the pump, and you circle back around, he's trying to put the nozzle in, but you just keep going, and you just keep going, and that's a picture of what's happening in so many of our lives. We just think, I've always got to be busy, and if I'm not busy, something's broken. If I'm not busy, I have shame. If I'm not busy, I have guilt. If I'm not busy, then God's not approved of me. If, if, if I'm not busy, then somebody else is not approving of me. And so we just keep on circling the pump, and God just wants us to be still. And maybe Martha's personality. See, some of us with this personality, that we're so susceptible to this. The personality is not what's wrong, right? It's what we're doing with it. And Martha's personality may have led her to embrace this myth that busyness equals godliness. And here in the text, I don't think Jesus is scolding her at all. I think this is Jesus lovingly saying to a lady that he created just the way she is, hey, I want to bust a myth in your life. Being busy does not make me love you more. And he goes about busting that myth, and he wants to do that in your life today too. It's easy to pride ourselves on being the responsible people, always being there, being a go-getter, being an achiever, staying busy. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things. In fact, I think that we certainly should, but they should flow out of the overflow of our time with Jesus. You see that? You see the difference? We shouldn't be doing those things on empty because our hearts, our lives, our minds ought to be connected to Jesus in such a way that all those same things are happening, but they're happening from a different base of operations. They're happening out of an intimacy, a relationship, a real relationship with Jesus. And listen, you've got to learn the divine rhythm to life. Life has a divine rhythm. God put it into creation. And it goes like this. Rest, 
work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. Work, 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 rest. And you Marthas, you go work, 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 that is not the rhythm that God has woven in to his creation. It's not that. Some of you musical people, you know this. I used to hear this when I was in the band. I was a trombone player once upon a time. You talk about getting the ladies. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> But I heard this a lot. You're playing through the rest. The conductor would say, you're playing through the rest. There would be a, a note, a little symbol written in the music, right? Where you're supposed to rest. It's supposed to be quiet right there. Listen, if, if you're playing through the rest, you're messing the music up. You're not getting the way it's supposed to sound. And in your life, you've got to know the master has put rest in the composition of your life that he's put before you. And if you're not honoring that and you're not observing that, your life is not going to be what your life is supposed to be. Rest, work, 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 rest. Jesus wants to bust that myth today. That busyness equals godliness. Here's the second thing that Jesus wants to do today. He wants to break a fear. He wants to break a fear. Verse 41, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried. Anybody ever worry, by the way? And upset. Anybody ever upset? You're worried and upset over all these details. Listen, Martha's operating from fear, not faith. Jesus sees that she is worried when she could be worshiping. She's upset when she could be being uplifted in the presence of God. Does that sound familiar? How much time do you waste worrying when you could be worshiping? How much time do you waste being upset when you could be being uplifted in the presence of God? Write this down. What if equals fear? What if? Well, what if this? What if? What if? But what if? But what if? What if? What if? But what if? What if? What if? What if? What if? Fear. Even if equals faith. I think about those Hebrew boys that were going into the furnace for not bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar. Remember them? And they said, Nebuchadnezzar, we know our God can save us from the fire. But even if, even if he does not, we're still not going to bow down before you. That's faith. That's faith. Listen closely to what I'm about to say to you. It's my opinion, and this is not a commentary on COVID, because this statement is not limited to COVID, you understand. But it is my belief that in the last 12 months, tomorrow starts the 12th month that we've been dealing with a lot of stuff, right? It's my belief that in the last 12 months, there has been a spirit of fear unleashed out of the pit of hell 
into our world like I have never seen in our lifetime. It's taken over every area of our lives. And listen, don't hear me saying that the antidote to fear is foolishness. That is not the antidote to fear. The antidote to fear is faith. Faith is walking on the water with Jesus in the middle of the storm and knowing if it thunders, if the lightning flashes, even if I take my eyes off Jesus, even if I begin to sink, He will not abandon me. He will not leave me. He will not forsake me, even if. Fear says, what if? And faith says, even if. What is Martha afraid of here? She's afraid of something. She's worried and upset. Jesus just cut to the chase, right? Worried and upset. Maybe Martha is afraid that if she doesn't do this, things aren't going to get done. And my gracious, life is not worth living if my to-do list does not get done. Maybe she's thinking, everybody's going to think poorly of me. If I don't pull off this dinner party with Jesus here, what are the neighbors going to think? What's Jesus going to think? Some of you, you're hustling, hustling because you are so paranoid about what other people are thinking. They're not thinking about you. You're not that special. Just trying to help you out a little bit. Maybe Martha's thinking it's going to be embarrassing if Jesus sees that we have stains on the carpet or if there's a dish left in the sink and I can't serve him yesterday's leftovers, right? A lot of our busyness, let's be honest, is driven by fear. It's driven by worry. Afraid that you won't be important or that you're not going to measure up to somebody else. Afraid that nobody else will do it. Like you do it. Afraid that people are going to be upset with you. Disappointed in you. Afraid that your future is going to suffer. If you don't get this stuff going. Or afraid. Mom, dad. Afraid that your children's future will suffer. Mom, dad, listen. A lot of our sons and daughters. They're suffering with secondhand stress. Our stress is overflowing onto our children. If they could really tell us what they really want for mom and dad, they would say, I want my mom and dad to not be so stressed. I want my mom and dad to not be so worried. I want my mom and dad to not be prone to be angry. We're dumping our stress on our children, and then we... Make that worse on them by overscheduling their childhoods. We sign them up for everything under the sun. And we're making our children rich in activities, but poor in meaningful relationships. Why? Because we're running from fear. I want my kid to keep up, I want my kid to be better. I want my kid to have all the opportunity. I'm afraid if they don't. I'm afraid what people are going to think about me will be the oddballs. We'll, we'll be talked about. Verse 41, the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried 
and upset over all these details. And let's read that again, but you put your name in there, all right? My dear, you are worried and upset over all these details. Anybody feel like the Lord's talking to you today? He is. He wants to bust the, bust the myth. He wants to break the fear. Number three, he wants to bless you with a better way. He wants to bless you with a better way. Verse 42, Jesus says to Martha, there is only one. See that? One. Let's get the to-do list down to one. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. What is the one thing worth being concerned about? Jesus says, Mary has discovered the better way. Jesus says, Mary knows this better way can't be taken from her. Think about that. We concern ourselves, we obsess ourselves over things that cannot be guaranteed. We worry ourselves sick over things that aren't going to last forever. Mary had discovered the one thing that is worth our undivided attention, the one thing that can never be taken away, and that one thing is Jesus. She's just simply concerning herself with Jesus. Everything else, strangely dim, is she's concerning herself with Jesus. Listen, you might lose your job. You might lose your retirement. You might lose your reputation. You might lose your spouse, your family. You might lose your freedom in this life. But you will never lose Jesus. Never. There is no stone that he will not roll away to be with you. There's a better way. To live your life than being perpetually driven to the soul-sucking busyness that's driven by fear and by worry. Abide in Christ. Dwell in Christ. Live in Him. Like Moses that we would say, it is in you, God, that I live and I move and I have my very being. In other words, God, you are my life. Everything else is orbiting around that. But that's not the way usually we're living our lives. Something else, you name it, in your own life, everything else is sort of orbiting around this. Everything's got to get scheduled around this. Everything's got to get prioritized around this because this is what I'm concerning myself with now. The great danger of busyness is that it keeps us from sitting at the feet of Jesus. And today, Jesus wants to bust the myth. He wants to break the fear. And he wants to bless you with a better way. Now, I'm going to put some words on the screen up here. And we're going to read. I want to encourage you to read it out loud with me. Read it together. Just sort of church covenant style. Just you and I reading along together. Pay attention to what you're reading. And let this just be from your heart today to the heart of God. If you're taking a nap, God bless you, Mary. Keep on taking a nap. But the rest of us are going to read these words now, okay? I think it's going to mean something for us. Let's read. Today, instead of worrying about pleasing everybody, I will simply rest in knowing that I am already pleasing to God because I have been given the righteousness of Jesus. Today, instead of worrying about people patting me on the back, I will decide to simply do all that I do 
for God's glory. Today, instead of worrying about attaining more in this life, I will consider how I can lay up more treasure in heaven. Today, instead of worrying about exerting power and control over others, I will seek to serve others in the power of Jesus. Today, instead of worrying about showing off how amazing I am, I will ask God to help me show off how amazing He is. Today, instead of trying to get people to worry with me, I will ask God to help me show His compassion to others. Today, instead of worrying about being perfect in all I do, I will instead worship with all my heart the one who alone is perfect. Today, instead of worrying about proving myself to others, I will praise God that he has accepted me because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. Now listen, on that day, Martha had a choice to make. And you and I, we've got that same choice before us today to make as well. We can keep on trying to overcome all of our worries and all of our fears and all the things that upset us by just getting more busy. By just keeping adding, keep on adding more and more to the plate. Or today we can decide that we're going to lay it off before Jesus, including ourselves. Be still and know that He is God. And I know that as I say that, you hardcore Marthas in the room, you're thinking, that scares the life out of me to think about doing nothing. This is not, listen to me, this is not doing nothing. This is doing the one thing that is most important. And if you think that's doing nothing, you're badly mistaken. And if the image that you have in your mind is, well, if I lay it all before Jesus and I sit before his feet, that's going to get boring. No, it won't. Because now when you're sitting before Jesus, he's going to hand you his to-do list. Don't you think that Mary could have been sitting there at the feet of Jesus? Jesus could have said, hey, Mary, would you get me a Pepsi out of the fridge? Don't you think Mary would have jumped up and ran and got a Pepsi and brought it back to Jesus? You bet she would. And she would have done it out of the overflow and the joy that she had from laying all of the things that could worry her and upset her and her own to-do list, laying it all before Jesus so that Jesus could hand her his to-do list. Don't waste your life on a to-do list that hasn't been handed you from the hands that said, it is done. Your life ought to count, and it ought to matter. And you ought to give yourself to the only things that matter. And the only way you can do that is to be with Jesus. And let him tell you what to do. So come to Jesus today. Draw near to Jesus today. Listen to Jesus today. Hear what he's telling you to do. And then go do it. We're not going to sit and do nothing until he comes. There is much to do but we've been working off the wrong list, Martha. God, we bow before you, our creator. You gave us these personalities, but they can never be used in it as an excuse. We're operating in less than you have saved us to operate in. These personalities are to be 
brought before you and laid at your feet. God, would you use this personality that you've given me for your glory to accomplish your purposes and not mine. I know that there's a lot of us today, Jesus, that are in captivity. We are taken there often multiple times throughout the day because of this captor called busyness. And we will never escape in this life the pull of busyness on us. But we don't have to be a victim to it. We can be victors in it and victors over it through the power of Jesus at work in us. We'll only know that power as we sit with you, rest in you, find our worth, our acceptance, our value in the finished work of Christ. It's already been accomplished for us. So today, Jesus, on behalf of all the Marthas in the room, I would just say we need you. It's not often that we say we need anything or anybody, and it's that kind of arrogance that just draws us away from you. So today we say, humbly and joyfully, Jesus, we need you. All God's people said,